interview with uh, Richard Beaudray, my dad. Uh, we were talking about uh, some of his friends. You had uh, friends by uh, Fossettes. Do you want to talk about them a little bit? Uh, then, well, I mentioned the Carriers first. And then okay, the, the Carriers. We can and talk the Fossettes, they were sort of a, a distant relative of uh, great-grandma and grandpa there. And they just lived down the road. And then uh, there was the Pages that were there. And uh, there was people by the name of Corbeil, Jeanne Corbeil. Um, she was really good. And when I was going to the Corbeil school, she'd always, because it was her aunt that was the teacher, and she'd always take my part against her aunt because she saw the way she was treating me, you know. Mm -hmm. And anyways, I finally left that school, went to Calvary, so it didn't matter after. But uh, it was Jeanne, she was, she was really nice to me, but she was my age too, you know. Mm -hmm. And then Joe LaSalle lived, used to live there and uh, he was very musical. I couldn't sing, but I'd try. And uh, he was always playing instruments. We got to be kind of friends. And then later on in North Bay, when I was living there, he he moved to North Bay from the farm with his parents. And then he was on his own. Remember, in those early years, he when he decided he wanted to get married, and I, and I was still going to high school, and he well, why don't you get married too? You know, and and I says, no way. This is too much life ahead of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he was going out with his present wife now, uh, even then, and I was I was young, like I was about 18 at the time. And uh, but then there was uh, uh, career. Yeah, and then there was. Uh, Tell me the story that you were telling me earlier about the careers. Oh yeah, just that uh, Mr. Corey, he always liked to read the North Bay Nuggets. He was, uh, he says, uh, like I didn't think he was he was well versed enough. I thought he was more French than English, but uh, he always read the North Bay Nugget, and he figured, well, you know, if you want to learn things, you, you should always read the paper. You know, keep abreast of uh, what's going on. In other words, in the way he could say it to me, it was broken English, but uh, not too bad. And then uh, I had a lot of respect for him until one time. Yeah, one time when he beat his son with a whip that uh, and, and left marks on him, and I, I couldn't believe that uh, he would do this, you know. And then, uh, like, I had a different impression of him after that point. Mm -hmm. And then uh, years later, after I was gone to work in that, uh, like his his wife was a very large woman, you know, quite quite large and. And then when she passed away, a few years, quite a few years later, this is, I'm talking after I'd been back, I was in the workforce for maybe s several years by this time. But there was a funeral, and uh, when they were carrying her up the long steps going into the church. In Corbeil? In Corbeil, uh, the bottom of the casket gave away. Oh. She fell out and rolled down the, the stairs. Oh. And I guess so many people were upset, and some passed out, and things like that. And, and they end she up. She was a quite a large. She was a big one. woman. Yeah. yeah. Probably about about sixty inches round here oh. and there. Oh boy. But she was. Uh, then they had to have the funeral all over again at a later date. My but that goodness. was quite a talk about that for a long time. Oh, I guess so. Eh? Yeah. Okay. So after that incident, uh, you were you got.
got to be a little bit older and you went to high school, and we talked about that a little bit, but there was another teacher that was kind of important when you were in high school. Can you talk about him? Well, I didn't, I just thought of another girl that was, uh, she was a ward of the children's age and she was staying at Facets. I just want to get into that. Okay. But she was deaf and, and uh, well, they call it deaf and dumb at the time, but actually she was quite intelligent because I thought so because how she managed to learn all the sign, sign language and she was teaching me and I was learning a little bit at, at the time and she was about my age and her name was Rita Robinson and she lived there and she always used to like to come up to the farm and visit great grandma and myself and, and she'd try to teach me this this sign language. You know. What happened to her? I got no idea. Oh well I think she eventually went to North Bay and I think she married I don't know how come that guy's name pops into my mind. Jack Byers, I think was his name. Hmm. I don't know how come it just popped into my mind, but I, I think there was a connection there somehow later on, but I uh, she may be still in North Bay, I got nowhere she, I I got no idea where she is. Became friends with her. Uh, you were both the same age. Yeah, we were both. We were both the same age. Okay. Now maybe you could talk a bit about your high school again and your teachers. Oh yeah. When uh, of course there was uh, Franklin. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with him. He's a tall, lanky fella, and he was our literature teacher. But he had won the Golden Gloves Championship and oh. in boxing. So. Uh, that impressed me, and then there was uh, my uh, drafting teacher, who was a short fella, and he was a super wrestler, apparently. They come from all walks of life, it just shows you. And then Clipsham, who's my uh, machine shop teacher, and I was uh, Clipsham. And Kennedy, he was the, um, the auto mechanics teacher. And uh, that was the course I was taking. He kind of rubbed me the wrong way a lot of times, but he was, um, I, he'd come off from the workforce, and I guess that's why he was so strict. What about Mr. Padgett, Todd? And then, uh, I, uh, you know, you sort of remember a little bit about all the teachers, but uh, Mr. Padgett, he was the electrical teacher, and uh, I used to, well, he had been uh, uh, one of the directors with the Children's Aid, so he knew who I was and knew who Ted, Ted Dunn was, that we were both, he paid attention to us because I don't know if it was an experiment or something, but I was doing pretty good in school, and Ted not too, too bad, but uh, he, uh, he'd gotten me out and uh, helped him build a cottage out in Peninsula Point. And uh, I think one of the first houses that was ever built near on the edge of Trout Lake there, down by the lakeshore, um, I built that with uh, great grandma's daughter's husband, Mose Legros. And uh, so when I was doing that, and then... That would be my Aunt Gaff. Aunt Gaff. First yeah. husband. Yeah, first husband. And then... Uh, Aunt Gabriel, actually. It was the proper name, yes. yeah. And Gabriel. But anyways, uh, Mr. Parger, he uh, liked that, that he found out I, I was not a bad worker and I could 
knew how to hammer a nail and figure things out and uh, of course we did all the wiring because he was an electrical teacher and I didn't mind doing that in fact I enjoyed doing it because you learn something all the time what teacher, high school teacher, did you keep in contact with all through the years until even this well, age, 65? It's, it's, uh, Mr. Parger was the one because uh, when I was started to work for Ontario Hydro, he was very pleased that somebody in the, in the electrical end got to that. And here I was operating the power plant at Le Cave when we brought a class of students in there. And uh, I was bringing them around and he was pretty proud that he had been my teacher and he knew my background in Jones Aid and uh, and uh, so he kept in contact with me year after year and kept sending me Christmas cards and now he since passed away and this is 1998 and uh, he passed away uh, several years ago but his wife is still sending me cards and she's uh, 90 years old now. And she still lives in North Bay? And she lives in North Bay on Premier Road. So your high school teacher continued to send you cards until he passed away? Yeah, he did. Amazing. He always wanted to know because I had always write a note in, in the cards and tell him what I was doing and uh, about our family and he'd tell me about their family and uh, so it was interesting. You went to night school? Oh yes, uh, well, uh, not for courses, but you do learn things there anyway because uh, it was for upgrading of men that were in the workforce already, and uh, so like I would look, I would help at the night school, look after the tools and uh, and some of the things and. Whether it was helping the electrical teacher or looking after, if somebody was given something, you had to write it down and keep track of, and then it was all it had to be brought back and you had to tick it off and things like that. But it was, it was a, I got wages for it, you know, and it helped me pay part of my room and board because as I was older, the money that I would get in from uh, the children's aid that would pay wherever I went wasn't enough. And I had to pay the difference through my part-time jobs, wherever my room board. Uh, getting back to the trunk that you used to bring f with you from house to house, do you still have that trunk now? Yes, I do. It's in the basement right over here. So. Uh, what can you des describe the trunk that you have? Well, yeah, it's a big blue trunk uh, with leather handles on the ends and. And that was my home, my home base, because I had no real place outside of going to Great Grandma's. Sometimes I would leave it there because I knew I was going to go back. Yeah. But I would not leave it any other place. So did the Children's Aid pay for that trunk? No, they didn't pay for it. Where did you get the trunk from? The trunk was a present from my mom. And did she give that to you? When I was about... Uh, 17 or 18 years old, I come to visit her in Chelmsford at the farm. What was your first meeting with her like? Well, it was it was nice, but there was you, there felt like there was tension in the air. But uh, when she saw, I didn't make no big to do about anything and uh, about the past or anything like that. That. Uh, 
I was just glad to see her, and in, in reality, I think she was glad to see me. But uh, I think uh, because of with Balti, uh, she wasn't all sure how that was going to go. We, you know, like me coming in, and uh, he had a son the same age as called Barry. But uh, turned out we got along good. And then I wasn't staying there anyway. It was just a visit. And, any chance I got, I was, well, uh, by this time I was working for Hydro and I was working at McVitty and, and I worked at Coniston and I worked at Martindale, so I'd go and visit her, but I wouldn't stay there. Did she talk about uh, when you were young and what happened? No, we never talked about that. So it was a closed subject? Yeah, we just, sometimes she'd try to... I felt sometimes if we happened to be alone or something like that, she might want to talk about it, and I couldn't see the point of bringing it up because I says, uh, "Well, it was hard times, and you have you had to deal with it, and uh, like I didn't care to hear about it because there again, my dad wasn't there to defend himself either." either one of them were kind of blaming the other in a way did you feel i i think they they did the one was blaming the other and but not to me because i wouldn't put up with it i just said i didn't want to hear about it i says it just happened that you're you're still alive and i'm glad and uh, you're still my mother and and father and that's as far as it goes. Uh, do you ever have a hard time? Like, don't you, do you, have you ever, never just got angry that they did this and 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 felt like how could you forgive them, or even as? No, I, I just never entered my mind to to get mad at them. I, I I always felt deep down if there was something wrong uh, there that I was probably better off the way my life turned out might not have been the most pleasant things in a lot of places that I lived because um, you, you can't possibly tell you everything that uh, some people were very vindictive or really mad and you know like uh, it's the biting words I could take a hit or something if somebody give me a wallop or something but it's uh, what would hurt more is some of the mean words they'd say to you you know things like that, that's what would bother me more than anything. Because the, the words stay with you, you know? And, uh, but, uh, just the the fact of saying, okay, you're, you're my mom and dad, and that's enough, you know? Uh, but I, I, no, I don't hold no grudge against them. I probably figured it turned out better this way than, than if I would have lived at home. I might not have got an education living at home. They might have had me working on the truck or out in the bush somewhere and I and then I got a taste of earning good money or something like that and not got an education. So I figured it turned out for the better. Um, okay, now we'll jump back to a little bit of uh, you were young and you were a handsome lad. I'm sure you had a couple of girlfriends. Do you want to talk about them a little bit before you met mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, almost every place you went to work, you always met somebody that was rather nice. But when I was working at Crystal, I went out with a girl there for a while, but uh, couldn't um, be serious because she seemed to have a lot of problems from her, her own, from before I met her, you know. But we got along 
Well, I guess she had a child, and she may seem to make quite a to-do about it. And so I figured she had enough problems to handle. I didn't need to handle hers. What happened to her child? She gave it up for adoption somewhere, and uh, her name was Carmen. I won't say her last name. No. But, uh, see, and then I figured, uh, then I was moving on, and... Uh, it was a girl, she was a friend, you know, and I didn't, and then, of course, then when I went to Manitoulin, this was back in 53, a few years, quite a few years before I got married, you know, but I was going out with Eldine Bailey, and uh, then when I met, I met Mum North Bay, now my present wife, eh? of course, mm -hmm. and uh, it was kind of a... What did you think when you, you knew Mom when since she was 10? But so I hadn't seen her for quite a long time. So when did you actually see her that you were kind of, oh, she looks interesting? Well, when my sister got married in, in uh, I guess it was October 53. And then uh, I started we sort of hit it off because she came to the wedding because she was with Aunt, Aunt Ramon from the farm. See, Ramon was there living at the farm then and Big Grandma had moved to Toronto with, with Uncle Phil. And uh, so then we sort of kept touch off and on, but I was going with Eldine and then when I moved from there, I moved to Abitibi Canyon. And then, uh, then I sort of lost touch with Eldine because she had a steady boyfriend before I was there, and I think, and his name was Porter. He owned the hotel there eventually. But uh, anyways, that uh, after I started paying attention to Mum, I didn't really stay with any girl too long after that. Where were you working when you sort of started going out steady with uh, Sue Beaudray? Sue Millett. see. I was working at Le Cave. Bring the microphone closer. I was working at Le Cave in, in 1955. But, uh, like, I was seeing her before that because I had worked at Indian Shoots, and then I'd come down, this was out from Matachuan and Elk Lake, and then, uh, then I was at, I was at Le Cave, and then, uh, then it looked like I was going to get transferred later on to, uh, plugged in. so many years of not seeing her? Well, I was working at Le Cave and then uh, went to Indian Shoots to work. And then uh, I remember uh, proposing to uh, her at Lake Champlain near Mattawa. Oh, and was she surprised? And was well, I think she knew, but uh, I asked uh, her mom and dad, Lynn and Slim, 
Raphael, actually, uh, for her hand in marriage. And well, I guess they were we were all excited. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I proposed, and I think it was um, 55. Yeah. Was it over dinner? Well, we were at a picnic table at the lake. Oh. Guess we had a lunch or something there, and it was it was really a beautiful day. <laughs> so. And uh, so now, where were you working for Ontario Hydro at this time? I was probably working at La Cap in Mattawa. Oh, this is the, the power plant in the Ottawa. Wasn't that a place where you you skied to a couple of times? Do you have a story there? About no, not not there. I didn't ski there. Uh, you you liked down there. I used skiing. to. I yeah, but I used to do it in in North Bay and uh, at the farm. I used to ski a lot when I hunt rabbits and things like that. And, but then when I went to North Bay and I skied down the hill there quite a bit in North Bay. Go down the old reservoir trail, and you lose control. You end up on top of the trees. Oh, where did that happen? Where you landed on top of trees? Coming down the. Uh, I remember one time bending down to get the this guy's uh, toque that he dropped or something, and when I looked up, it was too late. I was airborne, and I was coming down. I was over top of some maple trees, and I landed right in the top of a maple tree. <laughs> That was scary. Then of course you come down through the branches and that you get scratched here and there, but was it quite high? Well maybe about thirty feet. <laughs> was, uh, you sure evaded death quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd be, you'd have these falls, but I don't know when you're young like that you seem to be able to take the falls. Just talking, go back one more time a little bit, uh, when you were young and uh, as far as, we'll get back to your engagement and marriage, but uh, you were young and the, the children's aid used to pay for you to go, um, or through the kinsman camp, can you talk about that? Yeah, when, uh, when uh, I guess it actually happened a couple of times, but the kinsman brought us to Camp Telecom. And we'd sometimes spend a couple of weeks there, and uh, we'd learn canoeing and uh, map reading and compass reading and and uh, canoeing, fishing and treasure hunts. And well, I really enjoyed that uh, at Kinsman. The only trouble is, um, I had a lot of trouble with headaches when I was young. Pretty bad. I I get headaches to the point where I get sick. I remember the one uh, maybe about five days out of the one week there. I end up uh, I couldn't. I wasn't mobile at all because the headache was so bad. But I I get a lot of headaches. How young were you when you started getting headaches, and then to how? I was quite young when I got the headaches, but to say what age it was, I don't know. But they were less as I got older. Street over the tracks, and 
the car moved into my path, so I uh, turned away to get out of his way, and I went over this edge. There's a barrier there now, and I landed on a bunch of rocks, and I split my eye down across my temple here, and uh, remember one fellow holding me, he come along on a bike, and he was holding it until they could get me to the hospital to put some stitches in. And I, I could touch that any time and it would bring a headache right away. What did the doctor say that one time that you were at Camp Tillicon with your headache lasting five days? He said there was nothing I could do. All I had to do was sit there and rest. And I lay there and, and wait till it worked its way out. Did they not have aspirin? I don't know. They just didn't seem to, they seemed reluctant to give me anything. And there was a doctor there too, so. And what about the electrical power that you, with Ontario Hydro that you started, you helped install and bring to the farm? Oh, this is back in 48, 49. Uh, there was no hydropower in, in, in that part of the country at the time. It was in Calder, like major settlements or something like that, but uh, out in the country there wasn't. So uh, I guess I was about maybe 16, 17, and uh, then, and uh, I got a job with this contractor to put, uh, dig post holes and run hydro through the country. And uh, Mr. Uh, Plant that lived on the Corbia Road, he was the foreman on the job, and uh, he was a rather very good individual to work for because if he saw you were too tired he'd make you stop and rest. It was different than any kind of boss you'd expect really and he'd realize that you were maybe pretty young and uh, was kind of hard on you but uh, he'd have you rest and then he'd go on and he'd see how another kid would be doing. And, but some of those farm boys out there that were used to working could dig a hole and not seem to get tired at all. So you, the, you guys would be digging holes by hand? How deep? Well, the, the holes had to be at least eight feet deep and for these poles. And uh, they seemed to be awful deep for the size of the pole, it seemed to me. But, uh, but that's what was required. And then you had these long-handled shovels and these 12-foot iron bars that you had to break the, the rocks out of the bottom. And How old were you when you were doing this job? I was about 17, 16, 17. And then the hydro was brought into Great Grandma's farm in Corbeil? Yeah, and uh, when they uh, put the power in and there was fellows come along, there didn't seem to be that many electricians in those days, but uh, um, it was pretty basic, I guess, but uh, had to be respected as far as hydro was concerned and, and power. And uh, basically all you were using was for lighting in the house until they were able to afford to buy a toaster and, and a new radio that you could plug in the wall. And, uh, what happened with Great Grandma's radio? Well, her, uh, they used to have a radio there, but it was uh, battery operated, but it would be uh, clip-ons to uh, a car battery. And I remember sitting there in the wee hours of the morning listening to Hawaiian music. They sure used to like to hear that. Till I'd get the devil and she'd say, to get to bed. You know. How would she tell you to get to bed if you were up late during the night? 
she'd come down she seemed to know I was there because I wasn't playing very loud I wanted to just be the only one that could hear it because uh, but she'd come down she'd say it's time to go to bed now you got to get up in the morning to school tomorrow or whatever and so then I'd, I'd go to bed but so you'd like to listen to the radio late yeah the night. because it was such nice music <laughs> Like in the hours of the morning, because that's when you could get the reception real good. Didn't seem to be no interference. Eh? But that was really something getting the power through the country then, and then instead of uh, uh, hand separators for the milk to get the separate the cream from the milk so you can make butter and that everything had to be done by hand. And all of a sudden, somebody come along with a motorized one, and next thing you know, it was a motorized thing for sharpening axes and uh, and there was a motor for this and a motor for that. What's this about a toaster, great-grandpa? Well, then, uh, and then when, of course, when the toasters come in, well, that was really something they'd pop up and things like that. And, or you had to watch them. Sometimes they would, they'd forget to pop. And <laughs> But uh, I still like the, the toaster was, that was done on a, on a great, when you put it over the coals in a box stove, that that seems to make the best toast. <laughs> and what about some of the pets or farm animals that uh, you kind of grew up with on the farm at great grandma's? Well, they had a they had a dog there. It was a, a hound. They're all hounds, by the way, because you use them for hunting. And the old one was Bessie. And then later on, they got Major and Kruger. <coughs> So they had uh, Major and Kruger, and they were mostly for deer hunting, but I'd bring them rabbit hunting, and then he'd be quite worried because he'd figure in the fall, and they would just chase rabbits and not deer, but didn't seem to bother them. All of a sudden, they'd maybe chase a rabbit, but as soon as they get the scent of a deer, then they'd take off after the deer, but it was pretty good. And then they had a couple of cows. They had names for them. One was Coyette, and the other one Rougette, which was like ready. And then they, they, they had a calf, a coyote, and they called it Kobe, and got to be a real pet. I remember I had to carry it all the way from the back of the farm. It was over a mile. And uh, a cow, when it seems to come, it's going to give birth, they'll go to the furthest place to hide. And, and that was right at the end of the pasture, the farthest way place you could be. And, of course, I knew that it was due pretty soon, and... Uh, so I went looking for it, and I found it right in the end of the farm, and it was like a mile and a quarter, because that's the way the farm was designed there, and then narrower but longer. And I had to carry that calf all the way, and the old cow with the nose right up the back of my neck all the way. But I carried it in, and, and it got to be a real pet. I'd play with it just like a dog, and uh, play hide and seek with it when it was older, and then. Of course, it would, turned out it wasn't a very good milker, and then they were going to kill it for beef, and oh, I was really upset about that. I, I thought that was the most horrible thing to them having to do, but but that's life, and uh, when I was that young, it, uh, it just seemed wrong. Did you have any other pets or farm animals that you liked? It was just the, the hounds pretty well, and and uh, he did 
didn't own any horses or anything like that. It was Uncle Oliver that had a beautiful black team of horses and he'd haul the wood back for them. I don't know what kind of arrangement they made in those days, but uh, you can be sure Uncle Oliver, he'd get his just due for everything he had done for him or if he did for anything, anybody else. He seemed to be the richer of all of them. Okay, um, what were your Christmases like at Great Grandma's? I guess the Christmases were simple. Uh, everybody seemed to get something and uh, it was a happy time. But uh, I never did like Christmases. Uh, something about Christmas is I uh, just hated to see that Christmas come and, uh, and I don't say uh, like I hate things because I like uh, I just disliked to see Christmas come and there's there's something about Christmas is it just sort of irked me and uh, I it wasn't a good time Christmas and it just seemed to be and I don't know what it was and or why it was. It just didn't seem to be a good time. I think it was something when you were really, really young. There was an, uh, maybe a bad Christmas when you were before age six and maybe it just stuck with you. It's a possibility. It's, you know, like, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why and even, even to this day, um, I don't like to see Christmas is coming. And like I, myself, I just soon instead of me getting something, I I I seem happy to see somebody else get something. Mm -hmm. I I that part and the grandchildren, I get a real kick out of the. Well, even you you kids when you're small, mm -hmm. I got more of a kick to see the reactions I get from you when you get something. But for myself, I never cared to get anything. about 23 and the mom was 21 of course she gains because uh, I was born in January she was born in November so when November comes along she's only that many months apart from me but when my birthday comes in January then then I puts us two years apart okay and uh, then you had six kids maybe you could talk about how you felt when each of your six kids were born? Well, to me it was always a joyous time. And uh, the only thing that I was always worried that something would happen to, to mom when each one was born. And then uh, once, once they were born, it didn't matter if it was like yourself or the boys. Uh, and then I was always so worried that something would be wrong with you, one of you, you know, uh, or uh, our mum. And uh, but it turned out every time everybody seemed fine, everybody seemed to be healthy, and and mum was healthy. And, uh, and did you ever have, think that you would? Did you plan to have six kids? 
Not really. It just never planned it. It just seems to have to happen. We, uh, we had one girl and we had a couple of boys and we were thinking, well, the next one's going to be a girl. Want another girl. But it never happened. It just kept popping out boys after that. <laughs> okay, can you describe in your words your the character of each of your six kids, of course, starting with me, how you feel about... How I'm not even going to comment about that one. <laughs> well, like, how, you know, how maybe We're all good kids. proud of every one of us and our characteristics. How we mm. maybe mirror a little bit of how you are. Well, that's, that's, uh, it's not really hard to say the character of each one of the kids. Because there's always good things that you have and there's some things that you well you're not too sure you know let's talk about the the good characteristics of maybe i might be let's say maybe uh perseverance well you're you're very inquisitive you're always very inquisitive and you were and then on top of that you were as a girl you were always shy you were very shy and sort of laid back but that changed over the years. <laughs> and Mark? And you were very bossy with your brothers. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, in one way you almost had to be because they sort of gang up, but uh, you could hold your own. And, uh, How did you feel about being a parent and a dad to a daughter right at the very beginning? Did you think you could do it? I was I was very worried about uh, having children uh, at all, and uh, I wasn't sure how I could handle it. It uh, it was a real worry, and I was always worried about can I provide. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I, I wasn't sure whether I could. What if something happens and you can't uh, you can't give them the things that they need to get on in life? But it always seemed to, to come along. Mm -hmm. um, so then you had one daughter and then you had your first son. How did you feel? How well, you describe Mark? Well, like, uh, like yourself, we were very happy with, uh, with you because uh, everything was just great. And, uh, and then Mark, he, he, he was like a little wee bundle, like he was so curious about everything and he sort of loved to get into things and he loved, loved to build things and uh, he sure loved chocolate cake. He couldn't resist putting his finger in, uh, in a cake before it was cut. I think he also took apart a few things. Can you talk about that? Oh yeah. He took a park or alarm clock and one time and uh, and all the wheels here and there and I said well you put that back together and I figured it was a clock that would that was the end of it but he put it all back together and it still worked uh, to me that astounded me because I couldn't imagine how he could figure where the things went back together how old was he then? well at that time I'd say he was maybe about 8 years old and uh, he just had an inquisitive thing for gears and, and wheels and motors and stuff like that. And your next son? 
Raymond, he was very, very quiet and gentle. He more or less used to sit back and observe. And then... Uh, Wasn't he colicky? And he was... Yes, we had. I had to walk many miles at night with him because he was very colicky. And one time, Pappy says, maybe you should see a doctor and get something. And then he gave this guts some of this red medicine, whatever it was, and it made all the difference. And then it wasn't so bad after. But... Uh, but Raymond, uh, he, he was a good-sized baby at the time, very, very quiet. But then that soon changed as he started to grow a little bit older, and he, he seemed to get quite a athletic. And um, remember him winning the uh, King of the Carnival at uh, Abitibi Canyon. So he must have been pretty uh, suitable to do what he was doing. So he won races, and he could really move. Yeah. Um, I thought Mark was sick, too, a little bit when he was a baby. He couldn't eat certain, drink certain milk. All of us were in a little trouble. We had a hard time to find out the, the type of milk that was decent for you. We had uh, Mflac. We tried all kinds of different things until we finally got the right one that suited you. But you all seemed to be, you couldn't drink regular milk too much at the time, like the, what the standard, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so you had to, we had to be careful about that, and because then you'd get a rash or you get colicky or something like that, mm -hmm. and then once we found out the right kind, then that's what we'd stick with. And David, your, four, your fourth child, third son. Well, David, he was a husky little guy, and uh, robust and he was very active and uh, he loved to play with toys, anything that had to do with tools. He loved tools too. He, he took after Mark a little bit like that, liking tools and remember one Christmas buying a saw and a hammer, well he just was right into sawing this and that and had to be pretty well watching wherever he was going because he he'd get to, into that. And he was quite a tease. He always liked to tease the other kids. And maybe that's why Nanny used to call him my little rooster. Because he was always teasing or he'd be getting into things. Mm -hmm. And he was a sort of pretty jolly little guy. And then you had another son, Robert. Yeah, Robert, uh, every one of these were all different characters in some way or another. And uh, like Robert, he was uh, very quiet, but he seemed impressed with um, his strength. He loved to think of uh, being strong. I don't know if he read that in a magazine or if he saw that somewhere, but he just seemed to like to think of power or whatever it was. and. And he had a fixation for getting strong. And, and he even carried it to this day. So what was he like when he was a baby? A quiet baby? or? Well, it was, uh, he was sort of quiet because I tried to get him interested in all different kinds of sports. And uh, they would do it for a while and then they'd drop it. They never seemed to want to hang in for like hockey or... Uh, any other sports like baseball, you try to get them interested in that, and no, they didn't feel like 
he didn't feel like doing that. And would he just like to just be around the house? Yeah, and uh, just be happy with the toys that he had and play with that. And uh, mm-hmm. it just seemed to be at the time was like a homeboy and. But then uh, we got him interested in delivering papers, and so he managed to do that for a while, and which surprised me. And, but, and then uh, your last boy, Patrick. What was he like as a, a, a baby and growing up? Yeah. Well, he was. Uh, Patrick was like a little doll, and, and he and he loved to be pampered. He loved to be hugged and that, and. Uh, And he was interested in books. He seemed to pick up reading real young. And like he loved a pencil to draw things. He seemed uh, kind of artistic like that. Like maybe Robert seemed to be more mechanically minded. Uh, But uh, Patrick, he he wasn't confused by it, but more or less he liked artistic things. He could see uh, see something and then draw it, and he get a mind's eye view of it, and then he'd be able to put it down on paper. So he was he was good that way. And, and also, when you were uh, a young father, what impressed me was how you I can always tell my friends how you would make our swings or our skating rink when we were living in Hunta, and then yeah, when we were living uh, near Haleberry. Can you just talk about why you wanted to do that? Well, a lot of places in hydro colonies, they didn't have a lot of facilities. And I remember at the Notch, uh, I talked a bunch of them into building a half-decent de- beach and for swimming and uh, picnic area and got working at that. It seemed everywhere I went and uh, I, I'd done th- things like that. And then when we were at Matabichuan, decided to uh, build a uh, playground there and uh, talk the uh, the regional manager at the time there, uh, Anderson, to um, give me some fencing and uh, he just about flipped out and he says, well, how much do you need? I says, I need 400 feet. So uh, anyways, he did come through with it and I think it was more protection if the children were out there and I was scared uh, sometimes for animals because I thought one time I saw a mountain lion and uh, on the far side of the shore and it turned out it was a mountain lion because uh, I saw him that same year again and uh, so I got thinking well if we're in a yard like that maybe they'd be a little more leery if you knew where all the kids instead of them scattered all over the colony they'd be in this playground. So in the playground, I built a merry-go-round and I built swings and uh, teeter-totters and a sandbox with a roof. And uh, and then when I went up to Hunter, I did the same thing. And uh, I just seemed to think that it was better for the kids to have something to to play with or, and then it was, like you, you like a sand, and and at Matabichuan I built an outdoor skating rink. Almost, almost every place I put a skating rink for the yeah. kids, and, and these all seem to learn to skate on them. And I remember 
when I got my first bike how you used to run beside me and you would un outrun me riding my bike. I think I was about 